pee pee poo poo time. Yes. In the, in the words of Brittany Broski and her roommate, <laughs> the immortal words. It's pee pee poo poo time. It's pee pee poo poo time. Pee pee poo poo time. Welcome back to Otaku. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically just pee pee poo poo time, the talk show. Yeah, it's pee pee poo poo time, but with JoJo's. With mangas and animes. With animes right now. Japanimation. Yep. Boy. amazing to me how many characters still haven't been really expositioned about at all and we're at episode 13 right so it's interesting yeah. pacing in this in this series is still uh i feel like way different than some of the other ones obviously and slower uh, or faster slower yeah yeah there's a lot of exposition happening yeah a lot um and this is one of them like because i feel like we're introduced to a lot of stand users excuse me in this part yes who don't actually play like a super major role and then there were introduced to other stand users who do but maybe you're like oh well they're definitely not gonna play like a major role later down the road right it's like they spend the first uh third almost of the show basically setting up with all these these characters who our stand users, but are not really... Well, the first quarter, because we're past the first quarter now. How many episodes is in this? 48, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. Maybe it's only 43. I think it's only 43. It's only 39. Is it, <laughs> it's even less. I don't know. So it's definitely like more than a third if it's... if it's. I don't around. remember how many episodes there are. <laughs> yeah. But regardless, like it's still just like all these characters so far are either presented as like kind of just like they're kind of goofy idiots that like maybe they get one over on them for about a half episode and then the boys beat their ass or what do you think is the actual reasoning behind having the the invisible baby episode do you think it's like to further josuke and joseph's like relationship along and like have like their bonding moment or do you think it's just like a fucking filler? It has to be a like it has to be for that, but it's it's definitely a filler. Like I mean, the babies, okay. the they're babies, not mutually exclusive. No, yeah, they're, it's one and the same in my opinion. And I mean, the baby, nothing ever. There's no big significance with this fucking baby. Like, and I fully expected there to be something, and then I, like, I'm not gonna go into spoiler territory, but from future stuff that we've read ahead on. Yeah, I was just, uh, I was expecting at least something, and then that's all out the window, so I don't know. This episode is Joseph gets shit on the episode, because I feel like all that happens is really like just him getting dunked on, slash he dunks on himself. Yeah, he's he a was shitty like, old oh, man. You said we were getting on a bus, so I just happened to get on the first bus that pulled up without rhyme or reason or caring about where the fuck it was going, even though I've literally never lived a day in Japan. Yeah, he's like voluntarily. Like this is him at his daughter, most doddering old man esque. Like he is just. Yeah. We established that last episode when yeah. we were introduced, and we all thought like his like who I can't hear you thing was like a fucking shtick, and then it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, this episode was kind of interesting. 
Uh, not a lot happens, like, furthering the plot-wise in the grand scheme of things. But it's interesting because we both noticed that, like, there's a dog that, that walks up to this invisible baby who is a stand user and, like, starts going fucking nuts. So maybe the dog didn't see the baby. Maybe it could just smell it. Maybe. I don't know. It was weird. Like, <clears throat> or, like, it could hear it, you know, better than, like, obviously Joseph could hear it, like, crawling around on the ground or whatever. Yeah. Because, I mean, the the baby's not a stand, but its user, like, its, its ability makes the user invisible. So maybe that's, like you said, it's just because it's technically still a normal baby, not a stand, but just Yeah, because, invisible. well, later, yeah, because later in the episode, like, they can both smell the poop. Right. But they can't see the poop. Can't see the poop. Um, yeah, I mean, like, he literally gets shit on in this episode. Like, yeah. it's invisible shit, but it still counts. Um, but yeah, Joseph is complaining a less, a lot less about Japanese stuff in this than he has in the past. Right, and I'm wondering, we both are wondering, if he actually took the time to learn Japanese for his daughter's sake, slash grandson's sake, after Stardust. It's not explicitly mentioned, but like you have to assume that he's he's conferring with the the shop owner first mm. of all, and he's conferring with Josuke, and it's got to be like either fluent or near fluent Japanese at that point. Yeah, he's um the only thing he's like oh, I always have problem with with the money conversion. Mm-hmm. How much is this again? And it's just like right. a, a funny stupid plot device yeah. moment. But but he mentions he's like oh. Japanese coffee is the best. Whereas in part three, he was like very explicitly like, "I hate Japanese coffee. You can't, <laughs> you can't hold a gun to my head and make me drink it." Right. Yeah. So that was an interesting and um, you know, flip. I'm gonna wager and say that he probably did learn Japanese for Holly, um, because she was so dedicated to <clears throat> like immersing herself in the culture that she was willing to like change her name and everything. That you know, he was so fucking butthurt about. Mm-hmm. Gee, sounds familiar, but. In the in the end, Joseph is like very pure, kind hearted and like big hearted and he is willing to like go the extra mile for people he loves. So it's not that surprising if he did like turn around and like learn Japanese. Yeah, I mean he's had plenty of time to do right. that, obviously. <clears throat> right. Um but we get uh we get our first uh return of the iconic oh my god from yeah. him which was great right love to see it right um and uh this in this episode we have our first shot of background rohan yeah um this is i think the second time watching this was the first time either one of us noticed some background character action and i think it's probably because we knew what to look for or like you know stuff looked familiar right so we were both like oh hey, that's somebody who hasn't been introduced yet, like, specifically, but, like, will be later. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. It's like, this one, this one's important. Because yeah. they've had, like, other, like, there's only, I mean, there hasn't been, like, it hasn't been obnoxious, but there's been a few, few moments where it's, like, if you're really paying attention, either in the background visibly or other background characters are talking. Yeah. And they bring up stuff that's, you know, plot related. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And this also is on our first watch through when joseph is applying all that makeup onto the baby we're just like how 
and why does he know how to use makeup like this mm. and because we had never seen battle tendency before the first time we watched diamond so after we re-watching it yeah just like oh uh, like, okay he's like he's been around this uh he, he knows he his literally way around put himself palette. in drag yeah and like did his own makeup for a bit for a like, bit till to trick some in. nazis yeah to sneak past some nazis yeah yeah no that was that was really funny i yeah. I, do, I do feel like that they did a good job of kind of you know be like putting a in callback yeah having some easter eggs for the for the older viewers for the older viewers yeah for those of us who are 80 and up yes <laughs> just like joseph right um but yeah like that was this is definitely that was definitely like a a, a quote-unquote filler episode but it does have its uh it does have its point of kind of um forcing the two characters you know josuke and it did it did have them interact to where there was like a deeper understanding of who joseph actually is and it's not just like some dude who had a one night stand with tomoko and then like left her high and dry like right josuke i think it opens his eyes to like oh he actually like would literally sacrifice himself to save somebody else <clears throat> right because he open literally opens a vein and jumps into the water to um find, find figure out where the invisible baby is in the water yeah so yeah so that was like that was good i guess i still don't like joseph <laughs> like on his own i know i don't like canon joseph right. i like i like my head canon joseph yeah there you go um you have fun with it yeah but uh i think yeah as far as furthering the plot not so much but like having that little interaction between him and josuke was definitely poignant and then uh we're moving directly into Rohan territory. Rohan territory. Let's go to the Mangaka's house. Yeah, let's go. Uh, yeah, so Rohan is introduced in episode 14, and he is like, at this point, aside from Yukako, like probably the single most disliked character for me. Because I was just like, yeah. I was like, oh, he's so pretty. Mm. Like, he's so pretty. And then it turns out he's a huge asshole. Yeah, he a asshole. He a whole asshole. Ugh. And he's just like, he's just so set in his ways. And he's just like... I mean, like, besides Hazamata and Kobayashi. Yeah. Also. Yeah. But it's just, it's it's interesting watching this episode. Unfurl. Yeah. It's not even unfold. I would say it's like an unfurling. Right. Um, yeah, so we get uh, the boys all excited because Rohan is their favorite mangaka, and wouldn't you know it, he just happens to live in uh, Moriocho. So, what do you do? You figure out where he lives and you go invade his well, personal property. He's got a property. giant placard outside his house that says Kishibe. I know, but the only reason that they knew was because what's his nuts? Hazamata, Hazamata overheard the yeah, realtor, realtor talking about it. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. Which is kind of shitty in and of itself because you overhear someone talking about like a like a resident in your town and you're just like oh that person's super famous i'm gonna go bug the shit out of them right well hazamata is a little piece of shit so hazamata is a piece of shit a and tiny little piece of shit rohan even acknowledges that right. at the, at some it, in later in the episode but um before that rohan 
splits open a spider, right? With like an exacto knife. Yeah, he like like he's like I need to taste his... and then licks it. Yeah, which is just like I was like, Hugh. yeah, and the spider's wound is blacked out. Right, but Hazamata actually. Yeah, he barfs all like, over the fucking in the ground. studio yeah which is ridiculous because rohan's like come up and look at my studio mm-hmm. i'll give you boys like a little sneak peek like a little show and tell kind of thing yeah and uh yeah he barfs all over the fucking ground and and rohan's like yes this is great i want to capture that yeah show me that show me that face again because it's so and, pure and, and natural can't. so then he like try like fake gags and he's like mm. It's not the same. It's not the same. He doesn't even mind. He doesn't even like bother trying to like clean up the bar for anything. He's just like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. Rohan, <laughs> this, his introduction makes him seem so fucking weird. And the only like introduction we really got to him prior to this episode was just like a foreshadowing of him handing over like a draft envelope to his agent. Right. And so that's like the only like foreshadowing that we get that there's even like, a manga cup and you really have to be looking like in this story and then turns out like even after all this gross shit like rohan may actually be a self-insert i feel like i don't know it's hard it's hard not to think that way um, there's so many clues in the episode that like just fucking say like yeah this is totally like self-insert yeah because he's like it is a good little segment of the episode dedicated to him talking about like the the process of producing manga and this and that and it's just um especially after seeing some back you know some of the stuff with Araki's own studio and his process and everything and i'm like you know what of course at this point you've been in the game long enough you get four full lengths under your belt basically at this point why not have a little fun and throw yourself in there just for kicks just for kicks and while it may not have actually been a self-insert i think Araki was probably definitely like poking fun at a lot of manga artists. Yeah, definitely. And probably himself a good bit. Um, my favorite takeaway from this episode was that um, Rohan like goes after Koichi's story. Like he, he uses his stand on both Hazamata and Koichi and like reads both of their, you know, lives. Mm-hmm. And then he, he literally just deems Hazamata as too gross yeah he's like you're to a fucking, use as a character like you suck you're nasty get the fuck out of here yeah like hazamata is too gross yeah of a person he's like pass hard yeah, pass hard pass <clears throat> whereas um so as soon as rohan takes this takes a behind the scenes peek at koichi's mind though he's just like stands this is it oh my god this is the perfect this is the perfect material that a mangaka could ever hope to stumble upon the the finest piece of literary um majestic would be would be penned from such material and it's just like yeah okay disclaimer he doesn't actually say that no well no but that's what that's basically the you know yeah the the thought energy right and i guess koichi has been acting so weird lately after the first meeting with rohan that josuke and okiyasu go out of their way to like do a snoop (laughs) <laughs> to like see why Koichi's acting so weird. Yeah, they're worried about their boy. Right. I just think it's really like cute and lovable that they're that concerned with Koichi. They're like, let's just follow him. Mm-hmm. Like, where is he going? Like, he he didn't go the way to school. Like, we need to follow him, see where he's going. Because Okiyasu's like, maybe he's gonna go meet a woman. You know, right. like he's like, oh, he's got a girl on the side, and it's like, just kidding. It's a mangaka. Yeah. 
Um, so that brings us to episode 15. And we both kind of were sitting there like, you know, Heaven's Door could go either way. It, it really depends on how the user uses a stand. And I think that goes for a lot of the stands that we see and are introduced to. Um, yeah, because Rohan, Rohan being who he is, like his, he's kind of tenuous when it comes to some moral you know stance on things and he's he's, very morally ambiguous yeah he's very chaotic neutral yes so exceptionally chaotic neutral so there's a lot of i mean even like some other situations in future episodes he's in is just like he uses his stand specifically in a way that you know is uh, kind of creepy yeah but then he like justifies it and it makes sense so it's like wait weren't you just being a total creep yeah but then you were like, "Oh no, I needed to just." Yeah, it it has it has like probably one of the highest uh, potential for m- abuse abuse of a lot of these stands that I could think of. So yeah, for sure, especially since the person who he uses it on isn't necessarily aware or can remember that he's using it on them. Right, which is the basis for so much fic. <laughs> um, but it was really funny because we were we were watching we. I had had you start watching Umbrella Academy like shortly either before or about the same time we started rewatching part four mm-hmm. and you were like, oh, the I heard a rumor rumor power is very similar to Heaven's Door because you can use it in a multitude of ways. It just depends on like what your intentions are. Yeah. Like the only real difference is not having the ability to rewrite their thoughts and, and memories. Um, but I mean, even... Mm-hmm. You could. You could literally... Oh, yeah, I guess Allison could say, like, I heard a rumor you don't remember any of this. Or I heard a rumor you went and did blah, well, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, people people seem to not remember by default with the whole I heard a rumor thing. I don't want to spoil any of season two, but I will say that the the one thing she said to the one guy about the brother, like, he that, that remembered came, that. True. He did remember that. Yeah. Hmm. But anyways, yeah, they um they do share a lot of similarities. Yep. And um they're both like in comparison to some of the other stands, you'd be like, Oh, that's like not that cool. But And really I think it's kinda of funny powerful. Because uh if I remember correctly, Rohan hasn't had this stand for very long. Hmm. Right? I'm trying to... Yeah, I mean, he has no idea what the hell stands are. Like, he's Yeah, I mean, he just knows he has else. an ability that lets him, like, literally look into other people's... I think, I think it's implied that he's had it since he became a breakout manga star. Like, because, like, he has, like, he has the ability to just blast through stuff, like... But... If you're if you're a manga artist for a living, I feel like you can sketch pretty fucking fast. Like right. you have to. There's yeah. There's a there's a there's like a throwaway scene from one of the future parts where he's in it and he's he's just like able to blast by no matter what. I don't know if you even caught that, but he was in one of the future parts too and Rohan? Mm-hmm. He's mentioned in part six. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like on the radio or something where they're like talking about like how nobody else is able to meet deadlines all of a sudden because of certain circumstances except for Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. 
I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Really? That's... Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. That yeah, that was fucking funny. Yeah, that was just such a ra- I was like you remember that okay never mind um we're not gonna get into this discussion (laughs) because i got mad at you for part seven last night um so also this is i think we get a good array of like josuke facial expressions again in this episode and i have to say like scrunched face josuke is my favorite josuke yeah i know you love him it's just it's just so funny how he like sticks his lips out and he like narrows his eyes he just looks so fucking petulant he's a pouty boy he's a pouty pouty, boy pouty petulant Right. It's just so stupid and I shouldn't, whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, I gotta, you know, but we also find out that manga really isn't Josuke's bag at all. No, he doesn't give a fuck about manga. This is where I was going with that original thought was like, Rohan is using his stand. He makes it seem explicitly like that it only activates if someone takes, is like gleaning to his artwork, you know, like look at his drafts and are like, Oh, like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then he can just like, bam, heaven's door. Right. It gets sucked But that's into not it. how it actually works. Like maybe it makes it easier if they vibe with his work or whatever. But Josuke fucking does not vibe with his work at all. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty hilariously timed punch to the face. Right. Um. Yeah. And, and this episode makes it very clear that if you insult josuke's hair you get your shit thrown out of every window of your house yes period end of story yep because rohan like so so josuke's waiting outside the room okiasu already like kind of (laughs) just appeared in the window (laughs) and rohan did the thing where he was like he's gonna Mm self-immolate if i'm threatened and josuke's outside the room in the house like standing behind the door and Rohan knows he's there. He's just like, why would Josuke just be standing out there? Like all like sarcastically. <laughs> and uh, so, so they're like, Josuke, you can't look at his artwork. Like just brush in like, you know, eyes closed. And he does. And then Rohan like insults his hair and Josuke feels the need to like open his eyes at that for whatever fucking reason. Yeah. Like he was like, he like threw, he threw like a paint, like a pen nib at his face and like cut yes. him up and that didn't like make right him right op- under his eye. Yeah, that didn't make him open his eye or anything. But yeah. as soon as he fucking brings up how stupid his, his hair, hair looks, he's like, you look like you're like some greaser film or whatever the hell he says. Yeah. He didn't like he didn't like, like from thir- like your hairstyle is like so thirty years ago. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then so that leads into uh, Koichi of all characters. Well, he is our narrator this season. I know, but it's just it's just funny. Like he's the one that delivers the the backstory because the hair story. Yes, the hair the hair story. He's just like uh, one time Josuke, we were walking to school and he told, he told me about why he like really cares about his hair so much and. And then we get the shimmering backstory, and this is a this is a hot, uh, hotly debated topic, I, I guess, from a lot of people because it introduces, it introduces the harrowing tale of Josuke when he was what five or something four like that, or five. four or five, almost, almost dying because of had a fever, yeah, fever, some do, yeah, yeah, and he's on his way and to him the being hospital. A yeah, on his way to the hospital with his mom, and they get stuck in the snow. And wouldn't you know it, uh, a, a goody two shoe delinquent with 
Josuke's exact hair and his general looks. And, like, I mean, he looks exactly like him. Coloration. Yeah, same everything. Comes to their rescue and takes off his 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 coat and puts it under the... His school coat. Yeah, his school coat and puts it under the, uh, the tire Tires. and gets them back on track and saves the day and... I know it's not just us. Somehow Josuke like remembers how this guy looks, even though Josuke was like in either fever. in the back seat or in the front passenger seat, like almost completely reclined. And how he would have seen this guy standing behind the car is a fucking mystery. Right. He was literally like basically catatonic also. Right. From the fever. Exactly. So unless his mother specifically re- like recounted I mean I wouldn't put it past her but he he I, I feel like he wouldn't have had that connection to the hair without him specifically right and not to mention this dude comes it. out of nowhere he's bloodied yeah yeah like, he's like his mouth a... is bleeding you know he's like he looks beat to hell yeah he literally appeared out of nowhere there's no houses anywhere nearby of what's shown us right because she even said she's like i wouldn't have been able to right. make it to a house and all we're sitting there thinking is like did josuke somehow go back in time yeah so this is like a a common fan theory that originally because you know and there's a lot of there's a lot of fan theories like trying to basically you know uh i don't know i feel like a lot of them kind of crap on a rocky but a lot of them are talking about him forgetting about certain plot things the iraqi we... forgets thing is so yeah, we don't. It, it we annoys don't, the shit out of we me. We don't agree with that. I don't. But the one that he's confirmed from interviews is that he always basically just makes the plot up as he goes. So right. The the theory for this is that originally he intended to later on, you know, at the very end of season four or part four, he was planning on having some kind of time travel thing involved which is interesting considering there is a time travel thing involved at the end of part four yeah but not to this extent right like nowhere even close to this extent right but it's like this would have to be some serious like some serious stuff going on in order for this time travel to this extent have to happen like for him to travel back like what 12 years in time Mm -hmm. essentially and we did pause the episode on like the school uniform and everything before he takes his jacket off and he doesn't have a signature Josuke pins and things like that so that's kind of like a okay so it probably isn't him I feel like I feel like we need to read that chapter of the manga because they would have a higher tendency of him having like I, I plan on reading like parts four and five because yeah. I do want to see how they differ from the anime if at all I have a feeling that because Araki has a tendency to take excruciating, painful detail into the costumes and outfits. I know, and we see that in Bucciarati. Like, he, right. like his whole person is very intricate. Right, but I mean, like, so what I'm saying is that I have a feeling that the true intention of what his school uniform was going to look like, if it is exactly the same, would be revealed in. The manga rendition as opposed to the anime. I know, but I'm still going on my theory of that this is somehow an alternate universe Mm. that we've discussed prior to this. (sighs) And the more you look at it, the more you're just kind of like, yeah, maybe. Like, it makes it's very possible. It's very possible. 
it makes a lot of sense considering certain things with with Joseph's character and just other things. That we... Yeah, and the timeline's not matching. Like we've talked in depth about this, so I don't feel like we need to touch on it no. again. But I'm I'm it's probably gonna I keep coming wanna... up. But when we watched this episode again for the second time, like you had not finished Stone Ocean. I think you had barely even started it, and I did not want to say anything. Right. That would have like been like oh well it's like totally an au dude this is why yeah that's just fucking wild ride right so the whole backstory of josuke's hair is still up in the air (laughs) for us but it's one of those quandaries that's just kind of fun to think about and be like well you know it could be this it could be that it could be nothing it could just be a rocky maybe meant to expound more on this and never got a chance to yeah you know just just things like that i don't think the whole iraqi forgets is it's just it's just to me as a writer even though i don't you know draw manga or anything like as a writer i can still remember in grave detail like things i wrote like four years ago so i mean honestly like I mean, honestly, uh, it's pretty common for mangakas to have to adapt to either timeline scheduling, like their deadlines and stuff, or from their editor's input. Episode 16, or did you want to touch on episode 15 at all more? No, that's that's everything. That's everything. That's everything. All right, so episode 16 of Diamond is Unbreakable, otherwise known as Steel Ball Run Part 1. Yes. (laughs) because <laughs> the boys are out hunting for rats but it's do. yeah it's it's the jojo's fireballs with their stands yes like a little mini shoot balls little mini pop guns they shoot balls with their stands yes they're out shooting way. shooting cans and um this is uh i think much in the same way that episode 13 was kind of like a grandpa yeah like it was like a grandpa and grandson no, it's nephew and uncle yeah nephew and uncle just not in the order quality that you time yeah. bonding time very inexperienced uncle goes with very experienced nephew to <laughs> learn learn how to do things yeah learns how to kill things um yeah because this one this this one has all kinds of quality body horror um yeah but the body horror aside i feel like this is a really good insight into like Josuke's like character like you know his his facets because he's such a big weenie yeah he's got a lot of like confidence issues he does but then once he realized that that like Jotaro is like completely fine like doing stuff without him like all of a sudden he's like no wait for me like I can do it I promise like yeah, he's trying to play it all cool, and like I don't have to impress this guy at all. Like yeah. I don't own anything. He's he's like he doesn't want to be completely stressed out like ever. Like who does honestly? Right. But then once he realized that Jotaro is like, all right, I'll just go without you. He's like, no, 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 take me with you. Yeah, because I mean he's he's like, well, I know. He's like I can do it. I know uh, that he's technically my nephew, but he's kind of like in this weird father figure role in this episode. Yeah. So. Because he's like he's like he's like taking the role of the educator. Yeah. Professor Cujo. Yes, actually. Well, not yet, but soon. Real soon. He's not a professor at this point, so. No, that was the joke. It was like he was he's being the teacher. Yes. 
Sensei Cujo. Cujo Sensei. <laughs> Anyways. Boy, howdy. Uh, quality. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, this is a good episode. It's a better episode than I think it It really... If you were to just tell somebody like the, the generic description of the episode, they'd probably be like, oh, this is just another crappy episode. It feels like a episode. one-off. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a one-off filler episode, but then there is some good actual like again character and relationship development in it yeah because like why would jotaro even bother bringing josuke along jotaro can fucking aura the shit out of these he's literally yeah he's literally like oh i need to go hunting for rats that just got this ability well a rat they believed it was only one rat one rat and And then it turns out there's two yeah but yeah and i i still i ascribe to the idea that that he just didn't really need any help and why would he and he's like oh no i need my buddy i need my buddy for backup and you know like he i don't think jotaro considers shosuke his buddy at all well no but he's using this as an opportunity to teach him about like his abilities and how to use them because he needs to be serious sometimes like like you mentioned he doesn't want to yeah. He just wants to kind of... He just wants to, like, do his own thing. Yeah. He I mean, wants to live his life and be as least stressed as possible. Yeah. Hence why he's considered a, a delinquent. delinquent in Japan. Because people in Japan must be stressed all the time, no matter what. That's, like, a definite thing. That's why there are, like... Um, so many suicides. Well, I wasn't going to go there. Hmm. I was going to say that's why there are so many... Like, that's why those... Um, break rooms not like a break room where you go take your lunch break but where you go in and you shatter furniture oh that's literally the the origination of it was like people who work in offices and things who have to be like super polite and kiss ass all the time for their superiors and the stress level involved in in doing that plus probably Hmm. like a, a wild ass fucking commute home Crowded trains, Ugh, you know, yeah. having to be perfect citizen in public all the time. Like, that's why those places started to manifest was so that, pe- like, office workers could go in there after work and, like, go smash the shit out of stuff and relieve their stress. Yeah. Now that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Right. It's like a you went you went this cooker. way and I was gonna go this way. I mean, it's un- it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. Like no, I and I yeah. Especially with like school children in Japan, it's just like way higher than a lot of the countries' percentages and yeah. Bad that's stuff. a that's a dark topic for maybe a different kind of podcast. <laughs> comparing Japanese school children stress to American school children stress. Hmm. Fair enough. And the differences in like, how might I die today? Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Different podcast. Let's move on from that. <laughs> um, but yeah. So we're speculating, does Jotaro know that a worse threat exists other than yes. the... he has to. He wouldn't have fucking come to Japan, like, especially knowing, like, knowing as much as we do at this point and then knowing his character more in later points, I feel like it's hard for me to, like, not take that into account like a worse threat than the than the people who've been shot with the bow and arrow yeah you think he really does know i feel like he he wouldn't have come to japan if you think that he has that intel yeah either i think i think he came to japan because like the surface intel was someone's 
creating stand users and there's a lot of well, stand occurrences happening in this one fucking town and we maybe, can't send Joseph so we need to send you. Maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't explicitly have intel for it but it's been it's been smashed into our heads time and time again that stand users are literally gravitationally pulled towards each other and I think that this is just another maybe instance of him having a very strong uh, connection to that like he's I think it's funny that affected. you say that because yeah. we literally don't even get that whole thing until part four that stand users are drawn to other stand users yeah it just feels like that's such a part of this entire series right because part three was like we went from from suddenly no stand users to suddenly all stand users right like right. there were yeah. no stands in parts one or two, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, Dio's alive again, and he's in Jonathan's body, on Jonathan's body, attached to Jonathan's all body. Yes. So all of a sudden stands exist, which is true and not true at the same time because we have established that there were natural stand users that had nothing to do with Dio until they met Dio. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild. So, but the whole like, oh, stand users are drawn to other stand users. Really, I believe we kind of got that precedent set for us in part four in Diamond is Unbreakable. Yeah, definitely. But because it was, we watched part three and then part four and then we went back and did one, two and three again <laughs> in part five. And five and now four again. And now four again. Now we're, we read six and now we're reading seven. Yeah, so it's it's definitely it's definitely ingrained in us that that is a very pertinent aspect of this whole story. But yeah, he Araki makes it a much bigger part of his world building in yeah, future parts. And absolutely, four, and from four onward, it's, it does get repeated. And I feel like because we've ventured so far forward that yeah we're like okay this is definitely a thing and it's been really well established when in reality speaking in part four terms only this is literally only like the second time we've seen this many stand users in one area right at a time yeah and like you said last time in part three it was explicitly because of dio's influence yeah yeah so and them getting sent after each other right (laughs) they were basically like hired Hitmen. Right. Who weren't usually very good at it. Right. Just a bunch of idiots. Just a bunch of dum dums. Hmm. But yeah, we do get to see a whole bunch of nasty rat stuff in this episode, so that's fun. Yeah. The um, couple melded together in the fridge as one big block of human viscera. I'm actually glad that was blacked out for the most part. I'm also glad that they don't really like because I have to assume that Josuke unfucks up that whole thing at some point after like before they leave the farmhouse because they're still alive Mm -hmm. which is somehow even more horrifying Mm -hmm. (laughs) just like real and because the rat is feeding on them actively Mm -hmm. yeah he's just having a little midnight snack when he goes and you know pops open the refrigerator door and has a little nibble yeah yeah, real gross, but um, thankfully, because I didn't really want to see any of this shit, honestly, like a lot of this, like hugely 
blocked out sensor use. Jojo's like melted, deformed hand, yeah. thankfully, is blacked out. Yeah. Although we do see him get attacked later in the episode after the hand incident. And it's not, even though his whole body is like melting, it's not blacked out at all. I have, I, it must be the like for that first scene, it was like maybe like there was like blisters and stuff. Bone, maybe? Or bone, too. Yeah. It was probably something just a little That's too so nasty. so weird to me. I want to know like why. I mean, we could easily go on YouTube. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking about like actually looking up like the censorship laws. Oh, for, I got you. Like what can and can't you show? And I don't want to see the actual footage of it. Thank you. I don't want to see the nasty. I didn't sleep last night. I don't need this stuff like seared into my brain fair enough i feel that do you yeah you feel the not sleeping last night thing no (laughs) i don't i know i'm sorry (laughs) i mean we didn't go to bed until like two in the morning yeah and i was wide fucking awake until four well Anyways, I don't know. Do you have anything else for this episode? I don't. Um, no, we've covered pretty much everything. All right. Thanks for tuning in and uh, thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Otaku. I'm Liz. I'm not Liz. <laughs> Good night. Bye.